You're listening to Sailing Into Oblivion Podcast. Welcome aboard, Mighty Sparrow. Today's July 28th, 2020, and we are right smack dab in the middle of the Labrador Sea. So it's a pretty, pretty uh, interesting place, although I can't, can't say that uh, the sights are, are too great because it's mostly just fog and overcast skies in a gray ocean, but... We we just went through some some decent heavy weather, you know, not not a gale by any means, but um, uh, a nice little blow for a couple of days. So that that took us all the way up. We're we're above 57 degrees north latitude and still humming right along at 48 degrees west, which will keep us away from any of the icebergs at least for now. And you know, as we approach Greenland, I think we're about 200 miles or so southeast of the the southern tip Cape Farewell of Greenland and it's kind of cool you know just thinking about actually sailing sort of along that coast but the coast also has a nice northerly current that that runs it's a warm water current as well so I think that'll maybe cut off the fog a little bit but my my game plan over the next couple days is sort of head in that direction the winds are going to go fluky again. There's some some high pressure fronts or whatever that are coming in that are going to steal the wind. So, kind of almost is reminiscent of the Southern Ocean in a lot of ways, where you know you get a system, a low pressure system, and you ride that to get your miles in, and then you just sort of sit and wait, and you know, I, I it's kind of a strange thing. So when the when the wind comes in for me, you know, it's building and I'm a little nervous, you know, I don't know how, how it's going to get right now. I'm, I'm really only nervous because I have this giant fuel bladder, but, uh, you know, you, you see like 30 or 35 knots on the forecast and, and that's, that's enough to make me nervous for sure. You know, the waves can build up pretty bad. I'm also in the, the Labrador current, which is heading sort of Southeast and, you know that against a, a southerly wind, wind against seas, never is is fun. So anyway, um, yeah, just uh, trying to trying to sort of make our way through that. We made a ton of miles, 140 miles a day or something, and still moving. We're at the tail end of it. Probably only have three or four more hours of actual decent wind, and then it's going to switch. Or sort of come around to dead south wind, and it's going to be five to ten knots. So, essentially, especially with the waves that are still a little built up, we'll probably just be flogging our way around. But I don't know. I may head a little more in towards the coast uh, of Greenland to try and get into that current. And with any luck, that might actually clear up the skies a little bit too. Um, Boy, I'd I'd give just about anything for a little little star action. See see how the moon's looking and all that sort of stuff. You know, the the night it, it really gets dark around ten ten or so at night, and then you start to see 
the sky lightening up around 2.30, 2 in the morning, something like that. So it's already, I'm, I'm already starting to get a glimpse of, of what it's going to be like uh, when I get further up north. So, so that's pretty interesting. But yeah, the, the food stores, been trying to eat as much as I can. I was trying to calculate it the other day because, you know, my game plan right now is to try and eat as much of the canned food as I can. So, you know, canned vegetables and canned fruit, I'm sort of, you know, dabbling in every once in a while because I know those are going to become valued products long from now, months and months from now. So, um, but the other stuff, you know, chicken noodle soup and raviolis and all that sort of weird stuff, clam chowder, trying to eat through those. So it's pretty much every day I'm having at least one possibly two cans and and then I'm drinking about a half a gallon of water if not more with the coffee all that sort of stuff I was trying to calculate you know how much I'm lightening the load on this boat uh, every single day and I I figure it's got to be around 10 10 pounds every day is coming off of this boat and and that's you know the only problem with that figure, I guess, is that, you know, when it does rain, I catch the water back. So the water, I should probably take that out of the equation. So I don't know, maybe like, maybe like three pounds, four pounds, something like that. I did eat my first, um, spam the other day and the first like half of it. So I fried it up. The first half of it was good. And then it just turned into a, a gut bomb and I had to sort of roll up the last bit in a tortilla and just leave it in the pan for later. But thanks to my, my old AT buddy, Bo Jangles, I have a bunch of sriracha on board. And that, that definitely helps uh, add a little bit of flavor to the old pork product there. But, um, yeah, you know, other food stuff, it's it's definitely boring. But, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty basic, you know, oatmeal or a little... Uh, kind bars and things like that in the morning coffee and then lunch is usually either some peanut butter or some sort of canned food or you know a tuna wrap or something like that because I, I do have I went and bought you know 20 10 packs of of wraps before I left because I just figured why not you know, I'm not using any refrigeration on this boat so you know all the the stuff like bacon and ham and turkey and meats and stuff none of that's on board there is there is bacon but it's in cans and that's that was a gift from my brother Sven <laughs> so we'll see how that goes I'm sure it's gonna be good I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of wait and see but uh, that'll be for celebratory times I he assures me that it definitely tastes good but um, the fuel tank. So, so this big bladder that I have, uh, it's a 200 gallon bladder and I was able to get 170 gallons in it sort of wedged in on the cabin sole on the cabin floor here. And when I put it in, so it comes, it has this big refueling cap, uh, that stands about three or four inches off of the, you know, you screw that in, but it's f three or four inches tall and to to put the doors down over the top of it i thought okay well i'll just go get a little pvc cap 
and be able to switch those out. When I did that, the problem was when I went through the heavy weather down off the coast of Nova Scotia near Sable Island, it was definitely leaking. I don't know how much leaked out. It wasn't a huge amount, but it was definitely leaking. And so I had to put it back, change things up a little bit. And so, you know, around the four corners that I sort of have access to, I, you know, there would be a little dribble of diesel here or there. And I mean, you know, when I see that, all I think of is, is Matt Rutherford. And when he was coming up here, his fuel bladder broke and he had to fill up, you know, empty out any water bottles or alcohol bottles, anything he had and fills with diesel and go through all this crap. And I think the, the main difference, I'm not sure how big his fuel bladder was, but this one is 170 gallons, which... I don't know, you could do the math, but it's probably close to a thousand pounds. So it's not something that I can easily maneuver around, you know. And I I've thought about what I would do if this thing pops. Uh it's really a nightmare scenario because it's so big and there's so much diesel in it. You know, I don't have enough containers to to grab hold all that obviously i would try and do as much as i could try and empty as much as i could uh into containers because i know anything that's going into the bilge you know eventually as much as i hate to say it it's it's gonna have to go into the sea and you know that's just one of those things where i can't i can't actually live on this boat with a whole bunch of diesel in the bilge and and all that sort of stuff it's it's you know so Ideally, I would be able to, you know, capture it, find the leak, uh, plug the leak using, I don't know. I, I figure I'd, I'd use some, some different uh, materials, not try and patch it like, uh, you know, with like tape or anything, but use like a clamp and some other stuff to just clamp off wherever the hole was. But <clears throat> I don't know. I it's That's one of those scenarios that you just have to sort of, or <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. It's too, it's too scary to even think about. So I've tried to come up with a couple ideas and, and call that good. Let's, let's just say that. But one of the things that was happening was that, you know, it was sort of, I don't want to say it was moving a little bit, but when we were really getting rocked in the waves, there was a little bit of movement of the, the top of the fuel bladder and um, so I ended up putting in another support and then adding in a little bit more. I put a big pillow underneath that. And so I think everything, it seems to be a heck of a lot more stable now. And when I put the old cap back on, that actually pushes in on it a little bit. But every time I've checked it so far, it seems to be pretty solid. And so I have these little, you know, diesel fuel uh blankets you know for collecting fuel on all the four corners and so far now knock on wood there hasn't i haven't had you know there's there's been a little bit leaking out here and there but i think that's just the fuel that came out of the top initially so i don't know it's one of those things i just i worry about it when the weather gets bad, but now the weather's going to be pretty calm for the next bunch of days. So, you know, 
I'm just I'm I'm dreading you know the day where <laughs> all of a sudden one of those little fuel blankets is completely covered pink smell that diesel and I know that I have an actual leak in this thing and then it's going to be sort of go time try and figure it out stop it and all that sort of stuff but anyway long story short <laughs> I put in more struts and so at least the bed is more comfortable everything when I walk across it and stuff it uh it definitely feels a lot more solid and and that that's pretty cool everything just seems to be a little more um locked in but um i guess my mental state you know that that's that's definitely worth going over right now i i'm kind of dealing with you know missing missing people and you know that that little chunk of time i had in maine was really great you know because i was working with a great group of people at the marina or at the at the boatyard and i don't know it is i i get text messages from them all the time telling me how hot it is down there and all that sort of stuff and i don't know it's, it's nice but uh i don't know i i'm definitely a bit lonely right now for sure and i don't know i i guess i sort of had this thought that i'd i'd get back out to sea and everything would fall right back into place like it did after months at sea on my last trip but uh i don't know i'm in this sort of weird limbo right now where i i'm downloading my emails each day or checking them at least which is a pain in the ass because that sat phone it works but it's i don't know it's suspect <laughs> to say the least, I should have got a second one. I don't know what I was thinking. That's probably the biggest mistake I've made so far. But, um, yeah, just waiting for that email. Because if they say no go, then it's basically turn tail and just get the hell out of here and head out on plan B, which I don't have completely solidified. I mean, I think... I, I definitely am up for a big sale. So, you know, the question of, you know, going back to Maine, I don't there I don't really see that as, as being anything I wanna do. But problem is hurricane season is starting to come into, you know, it's it's hot zone. So, you know, early August should be okay, but by mid August and September we're we're talking, you know, hurricanes out there in the Atlantic. So I think my game plan would be to try and get south of Greenland and then and then head east over towards, you know, Ireland, England, Portugal, and then start my way down because I, I figure I would just go south and and either go around Antarctica east to west or west to east. I don't know, you know, uh I thought about trying to find this island that my great-great-great-grandfather was marooned on, uh, Howland Island, over in the South Pacific, but I don't really have the charts for that. Um, not that I would need a ton if I was to recreate his trip, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all up in the air at this point, and it's a horrible feeling, to tell you the truth. I mean, I all I want to do is know okay, you're good to go. 
now all you have to worry about is icebergs and growlers and the northwest passage and whether your engine will work and as long as the fuel holds out and all these other things i don't want to add on to that you know the canadians saying oh i don't know it could be too risky with this covid19 and and all that stuff and i understand i mean it's it's not it's not like i don't know just how how much of a risk that is it's not so much that i would bring it into a community even if i had to stop i've been out here for 17 days so far it's still another three weeks from even entering the northwest passage but you know they have limited resources up there so if if i get up there and i get caught in the ice and they need to send an icebreaker or or all this other stuff needs to happen you know they've got limited people for that stuff and you know it's 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 not time to be draining any sort of medical or rescue resources so it wouldn't be something I'd try and fight, that's for sure. I'd just, uh, you know, i get that word and then, boom, turn and go and, and hope that I don't all of a sudden get the perfect, you know, south <laughs> south winds uh, on the nose, trying to have to fight through those to get back. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. If I do have to turn around, I will head over and try and spot an iceberg before I go. Cause you know, maybe that'll be plan B is to, you know, see an iceberg in the North and then go see an iceberg in the South and then go back. You know, that's kind of a cool trip. I don't, for me, it's really, I just want to be out. I want to be sailing. I want to do something. I'd, I'd really like to do the Americas. That's, that's top priority. Cause I think that would be a great voyage, but I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm just in it for the adventure. I like doing it. And I've got all the supplies and everything. So, you know, we'll see. I As soon as I get that word, I will definitely do a podcast. And that's going to be an emotional one for sure. Mm. Ooh, right now I am uh, I'm having a gin and juice, I guess you'd call it. So it's, it's uh, about an ounce of gin and then tang. Good old orange tang. It's not too bad. You have to mix it light, though. That tang's got a lot of sugar in it. Holy cow. Um, the cold. Yeah, it's getting cold. The I want to say it definitely got into the high 40s last night, early morning. And I, I pulled out the old, the old Mr. Buddy or whatever it is, stupid little heater that I brought. You know, and I, I pretty much just brought this... If we get really cold days, I can just throw that on. But guess what? It's got a little sensor so that if it tips over or anything like that, it shuts off. And if the boat is rocking, like as if it was out on the ocean with waves, it just turns off. (laughs) So at least out here when the waves are big, or not big, but two to four feet, it's not working. Um, I mean, I can hold it and I was thinking about rigging it up on the stove as like a gimbal sort of thing, but that's a little risky too. The thing's pretty top heavy. Plus remember, I got a, a bag of fuel underneath the bunk, which is exposed at either end. So, uh, at this point, I don't know, I'm not too worried about it, but I figure once I do get up into the Northwest passage, especially in the areas where, 
you know it's it's there aren't going to be big waves up there in in a lot of it because it's an archipelago but uh and there's land everywhere all that sort of stuff so i I should be able to use it up there maybe i'll figure out some other way but i thought that was pretty funny but i've also you know if, if if i am getting cold i'm you know right now i think i'm wearing four four layers on the bottom so three layers of thermals and then one sort of outer layer and then up top i have two thermals my mom's my my sweater my mom made me and then i have a poof jacket and then i have two pairs of socks and so that's what i wear when i'm down below if i go up on deck then i have you know some foul weather bibs and then i have a foul weather jacket and then i have the neck warmer and then i've got two winter hats so I I have yet to not be able to, you know, not figure out a way to stay warm, and I mean, geez, I'll I'll be sort of chilly and I'll be up there, and if I have to go put a reef in or I change a sail, by the time I get back, I'm literally sweating, peeling off layers, hats, everything come off. Oh man. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. So I don't know. I think it'd be one of those things where if it started getting really cold because I was standing around motoring around, then you know it's it's do 25 push-ups if I can, and you know do that as many times as it takes basically, and then then you get warm again. But I think the last thing uh, is that I'm I'm able to use some of these Arctic charts already, which is pretty sweet. Um, you know, the Arctic Circle really technically, I think, starts around 60 degrees north or something, maybe 65. I don't know what it is. But uh, I have these charts of Davis Strait, Labrador Sea, Baffin Bay, the Northwest Passage, the Arctic, North Pole, all that sort of stuff. And I'm finally on them. I uh, have been for the last couple of days, which is cool because all the rest of the charts, uh, believe it or not, I have three. I have the entire world chart, and then I have two passage planning charts, which basically are the entire world. And the rest of it is just for the Northwest Passage. Um, You know, I had 13 charts or whatever on my last trip, and I've got those. They're laminated um, with my old passage on it. But I don't know. it's, It's pretty cool to sort of be able to plot my course every i don't know 12 hours or something like that these are these are pretty large scale charts um i don't know exactly what they are but they're they're big they're they're showing a huge area but it's just cool to see my little inchworm going bing 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 so anyway uh other than that hope everybody has a good day and talk to you later well listening to that i can definitely I can I can say that that was a very worrisome time uh, during this trip, and I had a lot of stress. Uh, as I got further and further north, you know, the possibility of, of very bad weather was coming in, and obviously that stupid fuel bladder was, was driving me insane. I mean, just seeing those little leaks coming out and not knowing if it was going to let go and, and all that sort of stuff, that was always on my mind. But more than anything, it was that, that, like I said, limbo that I was in where, you know, when I received that email from the Canadian government saying, you know, 
they're reassessing things. You know, okay, yeah, so they're reassessing some of the trips. That's fine. I've given them all this information. They've pretty much said I can go. And and all I have to do is, is check in with them twice a day. And so we, we should be good. And And then I received the other email. And that one basically had said, you know, before you leave, make sure you know that we may not let you go through the Northwest Passage. Well, I that was like 12 days after I left. So, you know, I knew that I was dealing with a government organization at that point because it didn't really make much sense, and it was almost like they weren't reading my emails or thinking about them in any way. Um, but, you know, be that as it may, that was definitely a pretty spooky kind of scary time because I just didn't know uh, if I was going to be able to go and I you know that's not a place you want to be sort of stuck for a second and and not be able to continue north it's sort of once you make your way far enough north past Newfoundland you want to be able to keep going you don't want to have to turn and go back south especially as August is coming in and the hurricanes are rolling up and turning into these massive gales and huge storms, you know, it really was a a pretty scary, scary proposition to have to go. And I remember, you know, talking to people before I left and saying that my biggest worry was that, you know, I'd get up there and they would say, you know, I couldn't go through or the ice would not open up and I would have to turn around and go back into the Atlantic during the peak of the hurricane season. And in a lot of ways, you're going to find out what happens, but, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it doesn't, um, doesn't go my way. Let's just say that. Welcome aboard Mighty Sparrow. And this is Jerome Rand. And today is August 2nd, 2020. It's uh, 22 days out at sea right now, and uh, lots happened. Lots happened in the last few days, so I think this is short clip six. Uh, but yeah, so basically, big change of plans. Uh, a few days ago, when I was up there, pretty much in the middle of the Labrador Sea, um, you know, not sure if... Canada was going to let me do the Northwest Passage because they were reassessing all the voyages. And, you know, I sort of, in the back of my mind, kind of knew that that could happen uh, after I left. Um, Because essentially, you know, from from way back, basically in June, I had done a bit of research and found that anybody planning to transit up there or enter Canadian Arctic waters... Um, would have to apply 60 days before they left uh, to see if they could get permission. And so I emailed a bunch of people. It was mostly the uh, Transport Ministry of Transport Canada. And um, sometime mid-June or whatever is when I got an email back, and they asked for all my information, boat stuff, safety, all that. And so I gave them all that information, about a week or two later, boom, I get an email saying, you know, we highly discourage this sort of um, this sort of voyage, especially in this time of the pandemic. However, if you still want to go on it, as long as you can 
provide us with, um, what did it say? I should just read this thing verbatim, but basically it said, you know, however, if you do wish to continue, just let us know that you have the capability to contact uh, Norg Reg, which is some sort of, uh, it's like Canadian Coast Guard for the Arctic. Um, basically give a position report to them twice daily. And if I could do that, let them know by the end of June, and then we're good. And so I did that, and so I took off. And then, yeah, it was it was a week or so ago that I got the email saying they're reevaluating, reassessing all voyages to the Arctic. And, <laughs> you know, if I choose to leave or choose to depart, then it's on my, you know, it's at my own risk. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, okay, well, I'm I'm 16 days into this voyage. I'm already almost in Labrador, um, you know, looking at ice charts and things like that. Uh, so it was a little bit late, and I ended up just emailing them back, gave them my position report, told them I was, you know, still good to go, and uh, I gave them my tracking information. And then, yeah, like two days later, I, I got an email saying, you know, uh, unfortunately, Mighty Sparrow will not be permitted in the Canadian Arctic, blah, 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 until October 31st, which is sort of interesting because by October 31st, I would assume that it's all frozen up anyway. Um, so I don't know. I, I think obviously it's, it's um, I don't know, it's one of those things dealing with a pandemic and I understand, you know, they... It's not, it's not that they think I would bring COVID-19 up there. I think it's more the fact that they don't want to have to deal with me up there having issues. And, and then suddenly, you know, they don't have a whole lot of people to deal with it anyway. But, you know, if, if the pandemic gets way worse and they have to pull people out of there, I don't know. It's, it's basically they just don't want the headache. And... You know, I understand that. Fine. It's it's no big deal. Um, you know, like I said, in the back of my mind, I sort of had had it in mind that it, it may happen. And, you know, basically I'm reading the email and boom, close the computer, do 180 and turn the engine start, start steaming due south. I had been going through just a vapor of wind. Yeah, just constantly having to be awake, looking for, you know, growlers. It's cold. It's been foggy. I hadn't seen the sun in forever. Oh, it was just miserable. And I, I honestly, I wasn't even really looking forward to the passage. The passage for me was just a big impediment to get to the Pacific and back to, you know, the sun and the stars and the moon and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, the further I got up there, the more I was... Just thinking to myself, oh, this is really going to suck. This is not going to be fun for a good long time. But, you know, there was definitely some some adventure to it. I, I think it would have been really cool to see what it's like up there. And who knows, you know, maybe in the future, um, you know, go up there. I, I don't think I would want to do it alone. Um, you know, I think part of the reason that I, I really wanted to do that was that I wanted to see about attempting the solo nonstop figure eight and you know that was sort of the secret plan so to speak was if i could make it through the northwest passage past alaska and into the pacific then 
then I would go ahead and uh, if the boat was good, I'd, I'd go ahead and try and do the figure eight. And really, you know, it's not sort of my style, I guess, or it's not what I I try to. I, I don't try to be one of those guys that's like, I'm going to be the first that does this or I'm going to be the first that does that. It's it's more of, you know, the figure eight is is a beautiful route around this planet and it's a challenge and it, there's just something, you know, when you lay it down on a chart, it's absolutely amazing. And so, you know, when I when I look at that, I think, wow, that would be an epic sale, you know. You know, Randall Reeves, he's laid down the track. He he had to stop, but, you know, so there is there's still that that ability for somebody to go out and do it nonstop. But, boy, that, that Northwest Passage nonstop, whoo, tough. Tough. So who knows? Maybe in the future uh, go up there with somebody or two people and, you know, actually, you know, go through the passage. I think it would be pretty cool to go up there, but, man, I, I definitely – I would not want to go up there having to carry all the fuel that I have on board right now. Um, that just, to me, it just, it's, uh, it's this thing that I have and I, uh, it scares me because if that sucker starts leaking, I don't know what I'm going to do. But, uh, anyway, so that, that was sort of, uh, how everything, how everything fell apart uh, with the, the original trip. So right now I am currently, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, about 150, almost 200 miles due south of the tip of Greenland. Um, pretty much heading south, south, southeast, um, and just trying to get keep myself in a good position in between there's a big there's a not a big but a nasty low pressure system just south of me uh that's moving off to the east and then i know there's a few hurricanes coming up um but they'll be coming along the eastern seaboard so i'm basically just trying to position myself in a way that uh, i can get across the atlantic over towards spain and in Africa uh, without getting slammed into too hard. And if I can do that, once I get over there past the Azores, then head head due south and um, head on down to the equator. And, you know, at this point, I'm not too fussed to really come up with, you know, uh, the guidelines for the next adventure or what this one's going to turn into. You know, I, I have no want of going back to land right now like heading back to Maine I mean it'd be nice to go you know see people again but I don't I don't want to deal with what's going on back there and I would much rather be out at sea plus you know I mean the boats fully provisioned I have so much fuel not a calm in the world would disturb me I just fire that engine right up and just motor away but um so you know it's sort of one of those things where I have all the all the stuff I need and uh, might as well just keep going. So I think possibly I may be going around the world, but in a east to west direction in the Southern Ocean. And that kind of that doesn't make too much sense, but because um, I'm not obviously this boat is not an upwind machine. But what I was thinking is, 
instead of having to spend all my time, you know, battling through the Southern Ocean, I could just dip around those those five capes, you know, get around Cape Horn and then head north and get up to the variables, you know, 35, 30 degrees north or south and away from the westerlies, north of the low pressure systems and sort of ride that all the way across and then get to New Zealand and cut down the coast and go south of that one and you know or just maybe do the three capes so cape cape horn uh cape lewin australia and uh the cape of good hope uh but essentially it's you know dip into the southern ocean to get around around the capes but other than that head up to the variables and ride those across the oceans and i don't know that may be a pretty stupid plan but um I've got a lot of time and I just want to sail and that that sort of route is kind of cool because you get a little bit of thrill, a little bit of action down south and then you dip back up north where it's moderately warm, sunny. You know, the weather and the variables isn't great by any means, but typically there's a lot more rain um, and, you know, easterlies and northerlies and all sorts of directionies. So... I guess, I guess we'll sort of see, I'm going to think on it, you know, cause I'm in no rush, you know, part of me also, um, kind of feels like just going for a rip. Um, <laughs> as funny as that, that may sound basically a rip to me, like a big saucy downwinder would be to, yeah, keep downwinding over towards uh, Portugal and Spain and then downwind down to the equator and then downwind all the way down to about 35 degrees south um, in the South Atlantic and then, you know, pick up the, the northern edge of some of those westerly lows and downwind over towards Africa and when I'm a little further than halfway across the South Atlantic, then downwind all the way back up to the Caribbean and then downwind home. I mean, basically it's doing what I would call the Atlantic figure eight. And I, I would estimate that to be probably around 20,000 miles total, something like that. I mean, shoot, I've already done, I don't know, uh, probably close to 2,000, if not more miles already. So... Uh, <laughs> that would just be, you know, the only thing with that is it, it would, I think, get a little bit boring. I mean, I remember on the last trip, once I turned, uh, Northwest after the tip of Brazil and hooked into the easterly trade winds to get to the Caribbean, I mean, literally 12 days of perfect conditions didn't have to touch the sails. I think I only did two sail changes that entire 12 days. And I mean, you know, in the beginning, it's great. You're sleeping, you're, you're reading, you're doing all this stuff. But five, six days in, I was, you know, uh, cleaning underneath the floorboard just because <laughs> I, I had nothing to do and I just couldn't sleep anymore. And, you know, it was, it was fun, but I don't know. I got a little bit bored with that. And that's, that's the only thing about the Atlantic figure eight, I think would get a little boring because you'd, you'd be just sort of in those same conditions for, for such a long time. So I don't know, but 
like I said, I'm not going to really, uh, I'm not going to sweat it. I'm not going to worry too much about it. I'm, I'm definitely going to be out no matter what I'm crossing the Atlantic and then heading South and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe I won't, my heart won't be in it and I'll cross the Atlantic towards the Caribbean and stop there or go back up to, um, South Carolina. I don't know. It's kind of the nice part about, about having this boat set up the way it is and, sort of having some of the experience that I have at this point, it doesn't really matter. I, you know, my biggest thing is I, I want to keep the salt, uh, out of my bunk <laughs> and I want to, I want to make sure this fuel bladder doesn't explode and I don't want to get my ass kicked, uh, while I'm so far North in the Atlantic. So those are my, my main things. But, um, yeah, like I said, now the weather, the, the, uh, nice little low that's right below me but uh i'm just gonna ride the tail edge of that i'm downwinding right now heading almost due south and uh as that moves east then i'll start to sort of follow it along and the game plan really the azores are basically southeast of me and that's pretty much where i want to head i'd love to get into the azores and at least just sail through them just to sort of see them, you know, because they, they are beautiful islands. And, um, yeah, so we'll sort of see. But uh, other than that, today did some did some pretty massive projects. The first one was a big one that I've been sort of eyeballing for a while. So with my the boom, where on, on each end of the boom there's a big cap, and on the cap that's next to the mast that goes into the gooseneck, that takes a lot of the the pressure and the beating and stuff like that. That one was getting heavily corroded and it looked, you know, it had these old screw holes, didn't have screws in them, all sorts of stuff. And I had gobbed a whole bunch of 5200 on them on the last trip. And, you know, when I peeled all that back, I was, it was pretty gruesome looking. And so I just went through and um, took hacksaw and unhooked the boom and took off uh, about a half inch of length of the boom. And that cut away all the corrosion. And once I got it all cleaned up and everything, then slapped a bunch of 52, stuck that sucker right back in, hammered it in. And uh, I didn't even put screws into it because I, you know, there's, there's no, because there's no boom vang. And I don't know if that really would make much difference. But there aren't really any forces pulling up or down. It's all pushing that cap in and holding it in. So I figured no reason to change it. It worked that way on the last trip. And so I just wanted to clean it up, that corrosion. Anytime I see corrosion, all I can think of is, you know, that thing splitting open. But I'll tell you what. I... As I'm hacks on through this thing. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, I need a cup holder. That's another project for another day. Um, as I'm hacks on through this thing, I I had sort of I've been watching this boom for a long time, and it's pretty heavy duty aluminum, I guess. But you know, when the sail slats or slams or anything like that, I'd look at it sometimes and see that boom just flexing thinking to myself, geez, that thing could snap. Just trying to hacksaw through that thing, especially the top part where the, the little gutter or the little groove is, that's really thick aluminum. 
Holy cow, I couldn't believe it. It would take quite a quite a bit to snap that sucker in half. So that that gave me a little extra confidence for sure. So finished that up, took a couple hours, but uh, it was a nice sunny day. The winds were super crazy light, and that's why I sort of wanted to get that one done. And um, yeah, now it's it's awesome. When I look at it, it looks great, and definitely got more confidence in it. Um, and yeah, so, so that was a, a pretty big one, but it took, you know, having the right conditions to be able to do it. That's, it's not something you want to do when it's rocking and rolling and all that sort of stuff. But, um, the other project was, uh, a reading lamp. I've been getting back into the old books and, um, on my bunk, there's not really, there was this, uh, you know, regular like light bulb, like a tiny light bulb lamp that, that. I, I don't know if they call it incandescent. Anyway, it's one of those bulbs that takes a lot of power to run. And uh, luckily I found this old, you know, what you would think of as an old old boat reading lamp. You know, tiny little thing with a little brass cone over it, a little switch. Uh, but it had this specialized little LED bulb in it. And um, switched that sucker out and now my bunk... You know, I don't have to wear a headlamp to read a book and all that sort of stuff. And, I don't know, it just adds to the homeliness of of um, my little area down here because you definitely need to make it a little nest, uh, so to speak, because if you're not really comfortable down below in the boat, it it's not as fun, you know. Um, I like being able to, you know, if it's, if it's crummy outside or it's cold or... You know, it's it's too sunny. I got to get out of the sun. I like being able to come down here and and be super comfortable and hop in the bunk. I got a bunch of pillows and the bunk's huge, it's like queen size bed now. Um, but to be able to just crank back and read is is fantastic. And not to have to have a stupid headlamp on, which I was doing before, uh, is pretty cool. So. Yeah, that was the other project, and uh, now it's it's basically cocktail hour out here uh, on Mighty Sparrow, and it is kind of funny. I boy, I you know, I almost hate to admit it, but I put a pretty big dent in the old booze stores over the first uh, three weeks of this voyage. Uh, I think a lot of it was, you know, in the beginning it was excitement, and I was like, yeah, and all sort of stuff, but then. Then it, it became sort of um, my crutch when I would start getting too anxious about where I was heading and where I was going. You know, I'd start sort of freaking out a little bit, and then I'd just pour a little scotch or something, and that would that would ease me down. And um, and then once all of a sudden I didn't know if I was going to be able to go up there, you know, that, that drove me to the bottle a few times. But... Um, you know, so I put I put a decent dent in it, but I have I have a ton on board. I think I still have probably let's see, I got five gallons of hundred proof vodka, I got five gallons of whiskey, and then there's probably another two two or three gallons of rum and gin, stuff like that. So and one big bottle of fireball. But, uh, yeah, sort of have to buckle the old belt on that one. Got to, uh, trim it back down to the old, uh, 
the old uh, sundowner, you know, two cocktails at sundown and call it good. You know, there will obviously be exceptions, but uh, if I do end up going on the full trip, it's nice to have those sundowners. And with, with as many gallons as I have, I'd be able to do that pretty close to around the world. Last time I ran out in the middle of the Indian Ocean, about halfway around the world. And uh, not that that's a bad thing by any means, but um, it is, especially on crummy days, it's, it's really something nice to be all look forward to. So other than that, um, I think that's about it really that I wanted to talk about today. Food stores really quick. It's funny. I can't remember half of the stuff I bought now. Um, so I, I'm kind of, you know, I've, I've been eating a lot of the same stuff, you know, eating all the canned food and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's getting a bit routine, but I can't really access a whole lot of the food stores very easily right now uh, without having to like pull big things out and this and that. And I know I hid some stuff around here as well. So I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, you've been out for a while when, you know, you can't remember exactly all the goodies. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I was digging, digging around in one and, you know, found some, some of these really nice chocolate bars that my brother's girlfriend uh, sent to me and stuff and I don't know it's kind of cool it's like there's little surprises uh, popping out here and there and and that's always pretty fun when you're pretty much eating the same old stuff but other than that that's uh that's podcast six so um all right everybody thanks for joining me and sail safe well that one for sure uh shows the old optimistic side uh, at that point, I was really, things just hadn't sunk in, um, the reality of my situation and, um, you know, what, what was going to happen after that. But I, it's good to hear that I was, I was still pretty positive, sort of shaking it off. And uh, when you're out there, really, you don't have much choice. You can't sit there and, and just do nothing. You have to, you have to make actions and make moves. And so that's basically what I had to do. And, and no matter what you have to deal with, what's going on around you. And at that point, that far North, uh, I really was in sort of the danger zone of, of big low pressure depressions and, uh, you know, bad, bad weather can just demolish you up there. So I was on my way. I, I just wanted to get out of the sort of danger zone, get a little further South and, I was also looking forward to seeing the sun again and such, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, I little note, you know, I, I definitely don't advocate, uh, drinking and boating by any means. This is, uh, obviously sort of a different thing when you live on the boat and you are thousand miles away from land. So bear that in mind. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, drunk boating is not a, not a good thing. I definitely do not approve of that. So that's it for this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. And again, if you uh, are looking for a good read, pick up Sailing Into Oblivion on Amazon. Thanks.